This is the Joe and Amber podcast. It's not like I hate Bradley Cooper. I just think it's unfair for one person to be given all that and so many to not know how to speak French amongst all his gifts. Story for another day. He's Tyler Folger. I'm Joe Fortenball. Welcome to Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. This is a time of year in the NFL for optimism. Everybody is O&O. Everybody mathematically has a chance to win the Super Bowl. Everyone at the very least has an expectation or a thought that maybe, just maybe, this year will be better than last Maybe we'll compete, maybe, if we're the Houston Texans. Just maybe some things will break right and we go to the playoffs, right? Like, everybody's got something positive going on. But the thing is, in order for that dream to continue, you got to sometimes get out of your own way. And the more things change in Washington with Mm. ownership, the more they stay the same. Apparently, there's already an issue with the commanders before their first preseason game. That new offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, yes, the Eric Bieniemy from the Kansas City Chiefs who won multiple Super Bowls with Patrick Mahomes and was brought over to help improve the commanders, is riding the players too hard. They've been going to Rivera and complaining about it. Here's head coach Ron Rivera on the young players who might be struggling with new OC Eric Bieniemy. A lot of these young guys, you know, they do struggle with certain certain things. Um, and a lot of you also got to take for where they've been. I mean, guys coming from certain programs are used to it. Guys come from other programs aren't as much. So, you know, I, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. You know, Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change and, and, and because he believes in it. So that's just the tip of the iceberg. Tip of the iceberg. Now, Biennemi spoke as well, so we might as well hear from him. And then, Tyler, I'll come to you. Here's Eric Biennemi addressing some of what's going on in Washington regarding his methods. Eric Bieniemy is who he is, okay? Eric Bieniemy knows how to adapt and adjust. Eric Bieniemy is a tough, hard-nosed coach, but also understand I'm going to be their biggest and harshest critic, but I'm also their number one fan because I got their back. My job is to make sure that we're doing it the right way. There's a way to do it. Do they understand that? Yes, because they're seeing the results. We're making a lot of strides. I'm proud of these guys. It's been some, excuse my language, some good to watch i have a feeling you and i have the same takeaway from that audio and we're about to go on a complete u-turn from the where this conversation started tyler folgem has got some thoughts yeah the, the was he referring to himself in the third person tyler folgem heard eric the enemy <laughs> talking about eric the enemy in the third person and tyler folgem has some thoughts on that uh that takes a lot of stones you know i mean the, that again, is something there is success on the enemy's resume but Andy Reid was still the guy calling the plays. Um, Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback that you were given and gifted as the offensive coordinator. Um, And now you're coming to a franchise that's been more bound for many years. I thought there was a lot of optimism for this team, not to like, you know, wildly overachieve and make it to the playoffs maybe or be like a Super Bowl contender, but their win total was only six and a half, Joe. This was one of the teams that had the lowest win totals in the league, and I thought they could surpass that based on just the sheer momentum and excitement within the fan base. For home games, FedEx Field is going to be absolutely jubilant and vibrant with the happiness and joy of the fans knowing that Dan Snyder is no longer there. And I thought that could be something they really rode to some positive momentum and maybe help them win a game or two this year. And now there's some concerns about that because it looks like they haven't learned anything from the Snyder era. Um, Airing this out 
and the enemy kind of digging in the way that he did. That worked in 1975 and 1984. The world was different then. You got to kind of coddle players a little bit, even if they are bad in today's game and today's sports, Joe. Yeah, see, that's what becomes really interesting is that you and I are kind of close in age. We grew up in an era where coaches could yell at you. They could grab the face mask, Mm -hmm. shake you up a little bit. We saw it with Bobby Knight at Indiana. Mm -hmm. Coaches just getting on you. That used to be the way. College coaches specifically. And now you're moving into a generation where that's not necessarily going to work for them. Nope. Players, especially young players, high school athletes, college athletes, they're going to check out on a lot of that, especially the stars. They don't want to be yelled at. They've been put in a position, AAU basketball players, they see the ranking, they know they're headed to a major college, they know they're getting a big NIL deal, they don't need you in their face screaming at them, they can go somewhere where they're treated differently. So, on one hand, this is why we see a lot of young coaches coming up, Sean McVay, mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan, mm-hmm. uh, Mike, um, Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, uh, Green Bay, Mike LaFleur. Yeah, they're like all from the yeah. same Shanahan right. coaching tree, but these are all guys who get it. You never really see them screaming. They talk to their players. They work them through it. They teach the concepts, and then they move on. That seems to be the way. It's Matt LaFleur in Green Bay, I should say. Mike LaFleur is his brother. His coordinator for the Rams. But Matt LaFleur, yeah. They're all, I agree. Right? Like, they, that's the way now. They talk like. to their players as contemporaries, not as a tyrant, the way that yeah. Bobby Knight or Bill Parcells may have used to, the way Bill Belichick probably still can because of the equity that he has. But you've seen the way that that franchise has changed since Tom Brady was gone because Brady was a guy you could yell at. Brady believed in that old school style. He was held accountable by Belichick just as the 53rd man on the roster. And that set that culture, set that tone. I'm not sure that works now with instead of having a 39-year-old Brady, having a 25-year-old Mac Jones. That's what they used to say was the big reason why all of the Belichick disciples would go take head coaching jobs and they'd all flame out. And everyone would say, what is the deal that none of these guys succeeds? They all try to be Belichick without having won the locker room over. So you got a guy like Patricia giving everybody the business in Detroit, and all those players check out on him almost immediately. Josh McDaniel in Denver, uh, in Oakland, or excuse me, Las Vegas, that's a dollar in the jar. We'll see how it goes in year two. Bill O'Brien had some success in Houston, but a lot of these guys went to other places. They tried to do the Belichick thing, and it didn't work because they didn't have the word you use, the equity built up with the team. So now here we are. We could look at this one of two ways in Washington. Way one, that's eh, a little hiccup. Guys yep. are getting to know each other a little bit. That's part of the learning process. They're going to move forward. They're going to be stronger for it. Or this is going to turn into a problem between the way the new OC, Eric Bieniemy does things and the way the team wants to do things. Which avenue do you see this veering down? Keep in mind, it's Washington. I'm an optimist. Okay, <laughs> You're wearing burgundy. I am wearing today. some burgundy like I'm getting ready to cheer for those commanders and be one of those fans who, objectively, Washington fans are thrilled that they no longer have to deal with the stench of Dan Snyder. Ron Rivera is somewhat of an old-school coach. He is not necessarily an in-your-face type of guy. He is an old-school coach who came from that, um, you know, being coached by Mike Ditka but has adopted some modern player first. Ditka, there's another one just in your business. 100%. And and Rivera has – he's been adaptable. I just don't know how great of, like, a tactician he is. I think he's a good culture guy, a good leader. We'll see how great of a tactician the enemy is. I'm still willing because I think it's plus 115 to go over six-and-a-half wins. 
on this Washington team. But this is a concern. Defense is okay. Yeah, the defense is really good. Defensive line's nasty. Schedule is tough. They got weapons around Sam Howell. I just don't know how good Sam Howell is. That's the big question going into the season, especially when you're in a division where you're going to play four games. I should say six games against playoff teams from last year. Giants may be down a bit. Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. A coach's coach, a man's man. Dan Campbell in Detroit. <laughs> the Lions, the preseason betting favorite in the NFC North. One of us here, not exactly buying it. That's coming up next. He's Tyler Folgem. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Hey, let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation 2 at Time is here! On ESPN Radio. The Detroit Lions. Blue 58! Go! I'm Eric Woodyard covering the Detroit Lions. One of the biggest storylines within the organization is how will the Lions handle heightened expectations? The Lions finished the 2022 season with a winning record for the first time since 2017. Now what? Can Jared Goff show that he's the quarterback of the Lions' future? Will the two first-round picks, Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell, make an instant impact? But check this out. For the first time in what feels like years, the Lions have heightened expectations entering camp. As Dan Campbell enters his third season as a coach, the pressure is on to take the Lions to their first postseason appearance since 2016. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. One of the most interesting teams in the National Football League for the 2023 season, the Detroit Lions. Alongside Tyler Folgem, I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Our Two-A-Days continue with the aforementioned Lions. Let's set the stage in Vegas 22 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, 10 to 1 to win the NFC, plus 120 to win 
the NFC North. They're your favorites, followed by Minnesota, followed by Green Bay, followed by the Chicago Bears. Win total nine and a half, which means if you bet the over, you need 10 or more wins to cash. If you bet the under, you need nine or fewer wins to cash. Minus 170 to make the playoffs, which means they're a sizable favorite. You would have to risk $170 to win 100 that the Lions would go to the playoffs this year. Nine and eight last season, punctuated by a week 18 game at Lambeau Field with nothing to play for after the Seahawks had won earlier in the day. And they show all the fortitude in the world to beat the Packers 20 to 16 in that spot. So what do we make of the Lions this year? A lot of people feel that they're ready for the next step. They're ready for the playoffs. They're ready to possibly make a little noise in the playoffs. You pumping the brakes, or is it all systems go? It's not all systems go, but there is cautious optimism for this team. They finish strong. They, I think there's something. There's got to be some kind of intangible benefit of that Week 18 game against the Green Bay Packers that it can carry over. They have had an injury in camp. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who was supposed to add to that secondary, which that defense was a major problem Huge. last year. That has to be better because – They were scoring plenty of points to win football games. They were just allowing everyone uh, to walk all over them on the other side of the ball. So I think they are justified as the NFC Norris division preseason favorite. Love it. And I am willing, since they are not an odds-on favorite, I'm willing to take that price of plus 120 as opposed to go down the odds board to say a Minnesota Vikings team who I still think is going to be their closest competitor, competitor, pardon me, despite some regression coming from all those one-score wins they had a season ago. So... Cautious optimism on the Detroit Lions. Um, Certainly not a perfect team. Certainly still some flaws, and I need to see it on defense. But um, if those things come together, I think this is a team that can win 10 games and that division. What about your Bears? I've been hearing all about the Bears from you for like two months. Bears this, Bears that. You don't even mention the Bears in there. (laughs) Well, we're doing a a two-a-day in Detroit. We're not down south in the Windy City here. I'll blow the segment up. That's it. Don't stop talking. Okay, yeah. The the Bears are – you big on them? But you're not big on to win the Super Bowl. I want to make that Fair. clear. I'm busting your chops. Very easy Very schedule. Exciting. And Detroit will have an easy schedule somewhat based on Vegas win total because Green Bay is supposed to take a step back, and Chicago is not yet, I think, ready for prime time. But, yeah, we'll save my Chicago love for uh, another show, Joe. <laughs> All right, two big factors when it comes to the Lions this year if they're going to make noise. Number one, you touched on it, the defense. Bottom five in scoring D last year, bottom five in opponent yards per play. Have to get better. Need to get stops you're mm-hmm. not gonna this isn't the big 12 you're not gonna win 38 35 <laughs> six out of seven weeks and set yourself up for a nice bowl game you're gonna need to get stops they made some moves in the offseason the, the the only way for them to go is up yeah so that should be number one to watch out for number two not as well known you got to start faster it's only been two years of dan campbell so it's understandable if we call this a small sample size but in year one they started oh ten and one Last year, they started 1-6. Think about that. They finished the season. They were a 9-8 and eight team that barely missed the playoffs, but they went 1-6 and six to open the year. Two seasons in a row, they've started slow. They have to come out swinging. Problem is, week one, they're at Arrowhead. Thursday night football, a week from yesterday, six-and-a-half-point dogs against the Chiefs, who are unstoppable in week mm-hmm. one with Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. 5-0 and oh straight up, scoring 37 points per game, winning by 13 points per game. Dan Campbell expectations how is he planning on handling this year is he worried or is he excited take a listen do you feel the weight of responsibility now that now that you got them all cranked up they're all coming no i don't feel weight i feel wind underneath my freaking wings man (laughs) that's what i feel 
Truthfully? Truthfully. It uplifts you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love this, man. This is outstanding. I love our fans. I love that, man, they feel it like we feel it. And uh, no, this is not a burden. This is not pressure. This is not weight. This is, man, this gives me inspiration is what it does for me. If I'm the head coach of the Lions and the schedule comes out and this is the year we're supposed to take the next Mm -hmm. step, and I see that they've got me in Kansas City week one against the Chiefs, expletives, broken stuff. Like, I'm really <laughs> mad about that, but I'm negative by nature. I'm a pessimist. I'm a complainer. Campbell probably looks at that, and then he's like, good, good. Let's show the world. I don't want anybody else. Yeah. I want to beat the Super Bowl champs, and then I want to win the next 50 in a row. What do you think <laughs> about that? Like, that's pro- he probably sees that, and he says, all right, game on. We got to be ready. Don't doubt that. I didn't know he was a Bette Midler fan, but um, <laughs> I – I, I definitely think it's organic and real with Dan yeah. Campbell. I don't think he's selling something he doesn't believe. I think he really wants to measure himself immediately against the team that just won the Super Bowl. Amon Ra St. Brown. Mm. How big is he going to need to be this year? Uh, you got Jamison Williams. You got the injury, his absence, and everything that's going on, well, the off-the-field stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've, you're a big fantasy guy. Amon Ra. The like sun that, god. Yeah. Is that what they call him? That, his, his name means the sun god. Oh, Amon right. Ra means the you. sun god. Um, he's a beast, a PPR beast. Uh, that's point per reception if you play in that type of scoring fantasy league. Amon Ra St. Brown is like Cooper Cup light, you know, and okay. he has Cooper's old quarterback and Jared Goff there. And because Jamison Williams is going to be suspended those first six games of the season and DJ Shark is out of town and, you know, they really don't have much outside of Amon Ra at the wide receiver position. Yes, they drafted Jameer Gibbs and they want to use him in the passing game. Yes, they drafted Sam Laporta and he wants to be, they want him to be the replacement for TJ Hawkinson who they sent to the Vikings. But especially early in the season, I expect Amon Ra to be peppered early and often, 8, 9, 10, 11 targets a game. So I think he's worth someone drafting in that, you know, third round range for um, fantasy drafts and PPR formats. And I do expect him to ex- to have a great year because every year to this point, he's exceeded expectation. As a rookie, he was great. I thought there'd be some regression as a sophomore. He shoved it right down my throat. Yes. And I think he is proving that despite being, what, I think a fourth-round draft pick, the league got it wrong on him. He was a guy who probably should have been a first-round draft pick, and he's going to be a guy on the field producing for Jared Goff when he's healthy. A bet I made in this division that almost no one will agree with, I played the Packers to win the division. It was around oh plus 460 when I did it. The best I think it ever was was 5-1. to one. I got tipped off from a guy who played it 5-1. to one. He laid out the case. I'm like, the Packers, everyone thinks they're going to stink. Rodgers is gone. He goes, exactly, exactly. Look at how these teams are priced. Everyone expects the Lions to be good. They're mm-hmm. priced to be good. Mm-hmm. Everyone expects the Vikings to take a step back but still be good. They're priced that way. The Bears are priced to take a step forward. Look at the Packers. They're priced to be the worst team in the division. Now, let's ask ourselves, why are they priced that way? Why are they priced to be so bad? Well, Rodgers is gone, and Jordan Love's taking over. What do we know about Jordan Love? Very little after three years in the NFL. (laughs) If it turns out Jordan Love is actually a decent quarterback, the Packers are a good bet because they're being priced to have a bad quarterback. If they have a good quarterback, that could be trouble for the division. I'm just throwing it out there. Decent sales pitch, I'll I'll admit. The 5-1 to has gone, by the way. It's down to plus 380. The Bears are now in the cellar for that stuff. So the price is gone. You probably want to pass now, but keep that in mind. What should the ACC do next to stay relevant, and should Florida State be the favorite to win the conference? That's next. He's Tyler Folgem. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Tyler Folgem. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber. On ESPN Radio. Hey, 
Samsung is awesome. I don't know if you've heard, but let me tell you why. This Saturday, get game time ready with the Samsung Bespoke four-door flex refrigerator with Family Hub Plus from the Home Depot. Flex refrigerator. That feels like I I love that refrigerators now talk to us and take orders and the AI is learning. Stop judging me, refrigerator. (laughs) I want the ice cream. All right, let's get to work. I don't know if you've heard, but there's a lot going on in the college football world, and I'd love to just be breaking down games and teams and conferences right now, but there's so much with realignment. We got to get to the bottom of this stuff because it's at the top of the news cycle. Eric McLean. ACC network analyst. He's a former Clemson offensive lineman. He's kind enough to take some time out to join Joe and Amber here on ESPN Radio. Eric, we appreciate the time. Uh, Some buzz right now emanating out of the ACC that they might be hoping to add Notre Dame. How much would possibly adding Stanford, whom the Irish have that longstanding rivalry with, impact this situation? Yeah, man. Well, I, I do want to address first when you, you're talking about we'll get to the bottom of the realignment. I don't know if you have someone I'm coming next to me or after <laughs> me, but I don't know how much we're going to learn today, man. This thing right? is crazy. I mean, it, yeah. it seems like every time you open up uh, Twitter or X, whatever the heck it's called now, uh, <laughs> you know, there's something changing. Someone is moving. Someone is looking to move. And uh, you, you just don't quite know when and where it's going to happen. So, um, I think, you know, ultimately the dream is Notre Dame, right? For, for anybody, you know, who's looking to add or, or you know, get a big brand name, uh, that's kind of the, the big whale that's out there, right? And, and you know, one of my, my buddies, he's a Notre Dame guy, and he said, you know, Notre Dame's the, the tent at the party that, you know, kind of wants to talk to everybody but not commit to anybody. And you're just like, what are you doing? Come on, let, let's find a home. <laughs> let's get going and, and get Notre Dame in the right direction, but I just don't know if they will. I mean, they value that independence for whatever reason, uh, you know, so much, even though there's bigger contracts, there's better opportunities, things of that nature, that word independent for some reason is, is very important to those folks. Um, now, does it does it sweeten the deal to bring in a, a massive, uh, you, you know, intellectual school and all the great things and the rivalry that you mentioned with Stanford? Um, maybe. Uh, I think that that's an interesting, you know, kind of way to look at it. And, you know, is that enough of a potential that the ACC should do it and, and bring them in? Um, it, it's a lot of moving parts. It's a, a massive risk. And, you know, you just have to, I guess, weigh that and pick. Does, does that help us close this deal? Eric, I'm curious if Notre Dame doesn't come to fruition, if Stanford and Cal don't come to fruition. It appears that right now the two major power brokers in college sports because of their football conference, the Big Ten and the SEC, what does the ACC do to survive or keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, if those schools don't come aboard? Yeah, man, that's a fascinating question because, you know, it's for some time now it's kind of felt like if you just stand still and do nothing – it's not a good idea, right? You have to move, you have to add, you have to grow um, to, to survive, it feels like. I mean, certainly we're seeing this with a pack, you know, whatever it is, pack four, pack two, uh, you know, before our own eyes right now. And then the things that are happening, um, you know, to that league. And I, I quite honestly, Alan Stanford for me does not move a needle. Even if the ACC is to, to do that or if they to pursue that further, I don't see how that makes you better. I don't see branding-wise how that's exciting. I mean, that's two 
bad football programs right now, and quite frankly, the last you know handful of years, uh, Cal longer than the last couple of years. So you know when you see that, I just don't know how how that helps you, and it adds enormous expense trying to go across the country and. You know, not just the football thing. I mean, volleyball's playing, lacrosse is playing, uh, softball, all these different things where, man, you, you, your expenses just skyrocket. So I don't even know if, if that's a necessary move that needs or should happen. Does that help help the ACC? So, you know, for me, you, how do you keep who you have happy? Because quite frankly and quite obviously, there's parties that are not. You know, Florida State is going on the quite offensive uh, finding any microphone they can to scream at uh, and say, we're not happy. We, we want to change. We have X brand. We're important, all these different things. And again, this is a school that hasn't been nationally relevant, you know, since 2015 and it, back in the championship in 2013. So, you know, how can you keep them happy now? Is it changing the model even further from what the ACC has already said with revenue distribution and taking it a further, a further step where it's, you know, a, a total complete redo where maybe that top earning school is significantly higher than the, the bottom of the ACC. And do people go for that? Eric McLean, ACC network analyst, former Clemson offensive lineman, joining Joe Fordenball and Tyler Foljam here on Joe and Amber ESPN radio. Last question for you. You got to be impartial on this one. I know you're a Clemson guy, but if we're actually going to talk some ball, Clemson and Florida State are like neck and neck when it comes to the Vegas odds, which is where we're located for this season. Clemson is a small favorite to win the ACC. Florida State's right behind them. Mike Norvell's crew coming off their first 10-win season in a long time. Should Clemson be the favorite? Do they end up winning the conference? And again, I'm going to ask you to be impartial. This is a serious radio program. Yeah, that's right. If I say Clemson, am I not being impartial? Uh, here's the deal. Uh, Florida State, you know, and it's hard, right? It's a weird spot for me because I, do I give you facts or do I boost up, you know, a team that I hope and pray is good because our conference needs it immensely. Uh, Florida State did not beat a ranked team last year. Florida State lost three in a row to the three ranked teams that they played, Clemson being one of them, NC State and Wake Forest being the other two. Uh, the great run that they had to finish the season – uh, six of, I believe, the seven games were against teams with losing records. The seventh team was Syracuse, who lost, I think, six out of their last seven. Um, so I don't have this amazing confidence that a team that had, you know, that, you know, not as impressive of a winning schedule there can go in and, and beat a Clemson team that's won the league seven of the last eight years. That has been the however many national championships winning two of them in this span. These guys understand how to win. They know how to win. And the biggest determining factor, in my opinion, when you look at these last two years was lackluster quarterback play. That is gone. That has changed. So I think Clemson is being back and will be back uh, to being the Kings of that conference. And certainly again, need FSU to be good. I hope we see them play twice. Uh, And who knows, maybe they split and maybe we see them both in the playoffs. Love it. Former Clemson offensive lineman, ACC network analyst, Eric McLean, kind enough to join us here, Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. Eric, thank you for the time and enjoy the season. We really appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on. Great news about the ACC and the Pac-12. They have done away with divisions this year. 
So you don't have to worry about one stack division like in the Big Ten where you have Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State on one side, <laughs> and then like the winner of Iowa-Nebraska coming out of the <laughs> other side. It'll be the two best teams squaring off for the conference championship at the end of the season. So if Florida State goes to Clemson in the middle of the year and loses, that's not the end of the journey. They can still face him at the end of the year. Where do you line up on that one? We're still a few weeks away, but where do you line up right now on the ACC? Yeah, I do lean a little bit towards Florida State. I think the job Mike Norvell has done there is really, really good. I think Jordan Travis is a budding superstar in college football. I think he's fourth or fifth on the Heisman odds list. They got that yep. big six foot seven wide receiver, Johnny Wilson. Norvell has used the transfer portal well. Jared Verse, their defensive end, could be one of the top five picks in next year's NFL draft. So when I look at top end talent now, I think Florida State, I think the job and the program down in Tallahassee has maybe usurped what Dabo had for the last decade. I think Dabo set the standard in the ACC over the last decade, but it looks like Florida State has regained some of that nostalgic dominance that they used to have under um, Bobby Bowden. So when I handicap ACC, slight lean towards Florida State right now, that's the team I'd be betting. It's fascinating because Clemson this year is not going to play a tough non-conference schedule. Last few years, they've had some big games early. Georgia was on there. They're not doing that this season. They start with nobody. They got South Carolina at the end of the year who should be eh, maybe the third best team in the SEC East. Florida State comes out of the gates. They're going to play in Orlando against LSU to open the season. They got to travel to Clemson later in the year. But again, it won't matter if you lose to LSU. Right. Conference schedules right. and conference schedules. So I applaud Florida State. They're on the rise. 10 win team last year. That LSU game is going to be incredible. It was incredible last year. It had oh, man. just about what everything you could hope for was, yeah. in a college football game. This year should be incredible once again. A defensive player of the year candidate happens to have the same MVP odds as Zach Wilson of the New York Jets. We're going to talk a little gambling next. He's Tyler Folger. I'm Joe Fornball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Great to have you with us on this Tuesday. His name is Tyler Folgem. My name is Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio and get freaked out as artificial intelligence continues to take over the world. That's <laughs> just a joke. When have humans ever made a mistake that cost them down the line? I don't see this working poorly at all. All right, here was the tease. It turns out there's a defensive player of the year candidate who has the same odds to win NFL MVP as Jets backup quarterback Zach Wilson. This has got our own Chris McGlynn twisted up like a pretzel. He's our producer this evening. He is going to join the show and try to explain himself. Chris, why are you all worked up right now about this? Well, so important context here. I am also a Jets fan. Uh, So I, I have spent the better part of the last two years watching Zach Wilson play quarterback. Zach Wilson as the starting quarterback does not seem to have any shot at winning an MVP. So it was a shock to me this morning listening to our own Ian Fitzsimmons and Amber Wilson talking on ESPN Radio. Problem number f- one, listening to Ian Fitzsimmons. You got to take all that with oh, a grain of salt. The man right, is right. half crazy as is, like a coyote out there in the wild. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't decide to take any shots at your co-host as well. That's, that's nah, she's the best, but also Ian's awesome too. Love the guy. Just love taking shots at him. It's easy. It's easy money. It is easy money. Uh, but apparently so is betting on Zach Wilson because he has the same MVP odds as Micah Parsons. What are we looking at? What are the odds? Plus 20,000. So 200 means, to 1 is what we're talking about? Yeah, 200 to 1, which is at $100 bet, Jeez. pays you $20,000. 
Zach Wilson might not see the field this year, and he has the same odds as the best, arguably the best defensive player in the NFL. Definitely one of the best edge rushers at this point. Uh, Micah Parsons was number nine. They, they, they did the a top 100 player rankings chosen by all their peers in the NFL. Micah Parsons is in the top 10 on that list, and he's at plus 20,000. I'm going to read to you some of the other names on here that have similar, if not the same, if not shorter odds. It, it's truly unbelievable. Andy Dalton, also at plus 20,000, so a 201 <laughs> as well. Uh, Jameis Winston is shorter at... Yeah. Famous Jameis. Right, 150 to 1. You also have Desmond Ritter, who we've never really seen. He's played, what, four games in the NFL? He's got short hours. Blaine Gabbert is also 150 to 1. Malik Willis, who might be the third string quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, is listed at 150 to 1 to win the MVP. Trey Lance is listed at plus 4,000. Like, can someone explain to me? I get that we haven't had an NFL player, a defensive player, win the MVP. Since Lawrence Taylor did back in 1986. But this feels almost foolish that this is what I'm looking at. All right, I'm going to jump in here. First of all, do you get that? Do you get that we haven't had a player win MVP, a defensive player since 1986? Because you say that, but you're also confused as to why the odds are where they are. I just feel like it's insulting to these guys that are playing on the defensive side of the ball that you have backup quarterbacks that have shorter, if not the same, MVP odds as them. Let me ask you this. And Tyler and I, we, we, we... We host a little show called Daily Wager, ESPN2, Monday through Friday, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern. Some nights. The times change ridiculously. It is like. No show on Wednesday. Very different. We're off tomorrow. I think we're on at 11 a.m. on Friday. It's on Thursday, 2 Eastern. Sometimes it's a half hour. Sometimes it's an hour. When F1's on, it's like 22 minutes. It, it's very. I guarantee, to if up. you find us, though, you'll be entertained yes. and informed. There yes. is no this has not doubt been the best about commercial that. For your show, if you can find that. the show, you will be entertained. I mean, you will sometimes be so can be hard glad to find. You it. stopped on the dial. Why do you? We're going to start with this, Chris. Why do you think these backup quarterbacks have the same odds as a guy like Micah Parsons? Do you have a guess? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming it's because the well, sports books around the the country view it as just as likely. For Micah Parsons, when the MVP is a backup quarterback, getting a chance if there's an injury. Well, that's quite li- yep. literal, and yes, that yep. is that is that's exactly correct. what you want to ding, talk ding, about. Ding ding ding! Wait, we give this guy an inch, and he takes a foot I here mean, today. He's hosting the show. He's nailing all of our questions. Not even needed for this segment. I don't even know why I'm here. Well, there's a reason I brought it up with questions. two of our sports betting analysts. That's why I wanted to know. Yeah, well, think it through like this. Okay, so Zach Wilson, he hasn't played well at all. Not very good from what we have seen. Blah 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 blah. Aaron Rodgers blows his knee out tomorrow. Zach Wilson is no longer 200 to 1. Right. He immediately becomes the starting quarterback of the Jets. And God forbid he go out there. I shouldn't say God forbid to all the Jets fans out there. But if he goes out there and plays well, now all of a sudden he's a candidate because he just stepped into the easiest position in the business to win the award. Once you're starting quarterback, yeah. everything done changed. It is essentially a quarterback award. Essentially a quarterback exclusive yes. award. Was Adrian Peterson the last non-QB to win MVP? Ooh, I do not know. That is a great, that'd be a great trivia I'm going to say Adrian Peterson, the last non-QB to win MVP. So, Chris, from your perspective, just out of sheer, out of the sheer ludicrous nature of these odds relative to how good these players are, I think a better or more apt comparison would be, say, looking at Nick Chubb, who is 300 to 1. 
And Nick Chubb plays the position of running back, which we have seen more recently than mm-hmm. defense when the MVP. And Nick Chubb could certainly run for 2,000 yards like Adrian Peterson did in a no season. Now, that, Hunt there now that Kareem Hunt is gone. And maybe if Deshaun Watson struggles, but Nick Chubb runs for 2K and 20 touchdowns and the Browns win the NFC North, maybe there is an MVP narrative there should other things happen at the quarterback position. But I get what you're trying to say, like, whoa, 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 whoa. We can't be having Zach Wilson at 200 to 1 and the best not the best. That's still Aaron Donald. One of the best defensive players. Uh, easy. <laughs> and one Rams of the fan. best defensive players uh, at 201 based on actual skill and ability to play the game of football. All right. A little bit of trivia here for you, Folgem. 2012, yes, you're correct. Adrian Peterson, the last non-quarterback to win the MVP award. Going back, though, in the aughts, we had a couple other guys. 2006 and 2005, we had individuals who won MVP that were not quarterbacks. Can you tell me who they were? 2006? 2005. If you don't get the years right, it's okay. I just want to know if you know the players. I think I know one of them. That's that's enough for you for one segment. Okay. How about that? Your word quota for this segment has gone extraordinarily over. Pay the over I, I on that. I do have a follow-up to this. But do you have your Wikipedia page or anything else open? I do, do not you, have are Wikipedia you gonna be honest? open. I, I do I do not I I do not have Wikipedia open. I know if you're honest, we'll bring you back so you right. can take a guess. I don't want anyone looking at I their won't phones. Guess. I won't guess. I don't want Tyler any other meatheads back there storming into the studio. I don't want Winter coming Goodness in there gracious. telling you the answer. Keep him in his cage. You just hang tight. Was Priest Holmes one of them? Uh, no. Sean Alexander. I, whoa, whoa, whoa. How many guesses do you well, think you get? I, I, there's two years you're asking me, so I was going to give you two guesses. All right, you get two guesses. Sean Alexander, yes. 2005, correct. Priest Holmes, no, but was fantastic in the mm-hmm. fantasy. So I'm going to turn it over to Chris oh, McGlynn. I know the other one. Chance to steal the board. I, the I can't because Sean Alexander was the one I knew. So then take another guess. All right, it's another. It's got to be another running back because my follow-up to this is. Uh, this should I be love easy. this guy. This the should fact be easy. That yeah, this should be easy. Head. I can't believe. I oh, think he has I, I do know. Ladainian Tomlinson. Yeah, that's a good one. Bang! Outstanding there work. I should have known. I should have been you quicker go back on that. And look at LT's stats yeah. from that year. He was throwing touchdowns. He was catching touchdowns. He was rushing for touchdowns. I mean, the the, the running back position was alive and well mm-hmm. back then, my friends. I think he accounted for thirty-one touchdowns cool. that year. I think that's what it was. It was definitely had, over 30. And from 2000 to, like, 2006, Marshall Falk started it, breaking Emmett Smith's touchdown record. Then Priest Holmes did, broke it, and then LaDainian, like, smashed it. So Falk in 2000 won the MVP award. So, uh, yeah, I can't believe I forgot. So, about how about the co-MVPs? I love LT, 2003, co-MVPs. Can anyone tell me who I the know co-MVPs? Who that, that would be Steve McNair yes. and Peyton Manning. <laughs> McNair. Yeah, Manning and McNair, believe it or not. Go ahead, Chris. All right, so my, my, my pivot off of this is no wide receiver has ever won MVP. Yet Jamar Chase has shorter odds than Micah Parsons. So well, why don't we just era. view it as like no defensive player has a shot? Correct. That's pretty much how it yeah. is. You're going to no. need to smash the sacks record, and then yeah. even then you're probably, you're probably not going to get screwed. it. It's just how the world Wild. goes these days. It's how the world goes. It's worth bringing up. At least those guys are getting compensated pretty well, though, now. <laughs> like, let's be honest. That's it's true. not like these pass rushers are getting treated like running backs. I feel bad for the running backs, but, you know, it's not the age of the Ladanian Tomlinson's. God, what an era for those guys. Fantasy football, remember that? The first 20 picks off the board were running backs. It's a different era these days. All right, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, they're coming up next. They're going to keep you up to date on all the action all night long. They'll be, they'll be, they'll be humorous in the process. I trust them tonight. He's Tyler Foljam. I'm Joe Fortenball. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. Thanks for checking us out. Have a wonderful night, everybody. This has been the Joe and Amber podcast. You can listen to Joe and Amber live weeknights from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, or on your smart speaker. Joe and Amber, the podcast.